Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, how's that world outside your window looking? Uh, lots of fireworks and stuff? Oh, yeah, that's because you're flying high while everything is wonderful here. It's Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel. The reason we're doing Wonder Woman podcasting right now and the most talked about movie of 2020, 2021. Now it's 2021. It came out 2020, but people are still talking about it. And we're just about to get into it here ourselves. On post show recaps on the Everything is Super podcast. Of course, I am your host, Chris Pine, in the form of Josh Wiggler, just taking over his body. Uh, so uh, if you're feeling things, that would be why, because it's me, Chris Pine, talking as Josh Wiggler. Talk to Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, life could be good. Uh, well, it, it's it's better now. It could be because better. I see you as Chris Pine, and that's yeah. so much better, Josh. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Hey, who else is laughing back there? What are we? Why are you laughing at the, the Chris Pine notion? That's Jess Sterling. Jess Sterling showing up here to talk one woman, nineteen eighty four community building co pilot. Jess Sterling. Indeed, I am a co-pilot, but unfortunately, I can't make this plane invisible. Why not? So, here Come we on, are. try harder. Never, what is it, Pedro Pascal? Never accept the limitations of nature. Yeah, nature. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's so good man. in this, though. He's so good. Oh, he's incredible. I would love, by the way, uh, the power to make things invisible would be incredible. I would make so many Twitter trolls invisible. Uh, <laughs> they would just go away completely. You wouldn't be able to see You know him. there's like a mute button and a block button, oh, right? right, 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 right. I already am using that to make people Also, invisible. if you make the trolls invisible, their words still appear so like you know <laughs> you, you, you want to make I'll them make, invisible how about this i'll make their computers invisible so go. they can't use them yes and their phones i'm just gonna make everything invisible we're gonna live in but in the invisible world can we all see <laughs> what happens then you make now. the entire world invisible yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do it uh i've been I'm, I'm practicing i'm working on it a thousand patrons jess and we'll activate our invisibility powers that's the new goal once we hit a thousand patrons sounds great um we're talking wonder woman 1984 continuing the conversation that we started last week with wonder woman here on our new spot mondays for everything is super because we've got wandavision coming up soon uh the wandavision podcasting is kicking off next here on everything is super we'll have a preview show kevin i don't know if you knew this but there's like going to be a marvel special they're starting this new series that has like origins for characters. It's going to begin with Scarlet Witch and Vision, I believe, on Disney Plus. So I'll try and watch that before we do our first WandaVision preview for sure. I think that'll be really, really fun. So that's coming up a week from today. Uh, pretty, pretty amped up about that. But first, we got to get through Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, we promised before everything is wonderful, <laughs> we would do everything is wonderful. Jess, we're thrilled to have you here talking Wonder Woman 84 because I think we 
we need we need somebody here who can maybe talk me down from a ledge, talk Kevin down from a ledge. Maybe we're going to try and talk you down from a ledge because I think we all have different opinions on this movie to certain degrees. And this is certainly a movie that everyone's got a big opinion about Wonder Woman 1984. Before I even watched it, the, the internet told me what to think. And I didn't know what to do. It was very confusing and very alarming. And I'm very impressionable. So I got scared. <laughs> I, I got just really... love the idea of such a young, impressionable Josh. <laughs> I got afraid. I got afraid. Everything was not wonderful. As I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to give an opinion on Wonder Woman 84. What do I? Th-? And then I gave an opinion. And some people were like, how dare you? And I was like, ah, I've displeased people. I don't like it. Welcome to the makes... internet discourse. Uh, <laughs> it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. So we'll talk about that journey. We'll get into all of that before we do let's take a quick second to thank our sponsors for this episode of post show recaps geico do you own or rent your home sure you do and i bet it can be hard work you know what's easy building policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home go to geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Um, I don't even I don't even know where to begin with Wonder Woman 1984. I uh, have a place. I have two Kevin places. Goes, I do. I do. <laughs> I have a place. One, uh, I want to point out the amusement because it didn't occur to me until you mentioned pilot that I love the now twice that Jess has been on this podcast has been about people who fly. So yes. I love the idea. <laughs> Jess was on here for Captain Marvel pilot, and yes. now we're on here for Wonder Woman 84, yes. which has uh, Chris Pine, uh, Steve Trevor as a pilot. So whatever next flying Marvel thing or DC <laughs> thing, we got to have Jess. This is the standard now. Obviously. Anytime <laughs> yeah. there's a strong female lead, you can always and tap or, on me to come in. And Talk or a pilot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so like if we if the Green Lantern show oh, takes flight. There it is. Or the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> The Ryan yeah. Reynolds movie, Jess. Oh, God, yeah. no. Jess, are you prepared to talk about Ryan Reynolds as the Green Lantern in a gray motion capture suit that they turned into a Green Lantern suit? I love Ryan Reynolds, but that was bad, man. Oh, he knows it's bad. He's well aware. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it ain't good. It's really bad. It's not good. I'd rather talk about him as Deadpool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Just before we get into 84, do you want to hit us up with your thoughts on uh, Wonder Woman writ large, whether it's the character, yeah. whether it's the experience of seeing the movie for the first time, and like, what does any of like having those experiences, what, how, if at all, did that impact you heading into 84 and your overall enjoyment of this movie? So I, we talked about this a bit in the Captain Marvel podcast, but I'm not a natural like comic book person. I've read a little bit of Superman comics growing up and that was pretty much my experience. Not like a ton, but enough to know, you know, the stuff with Superman. Um, so I didn't know much about Wonder Woman. I watched the first Wonder Woman, Woman movie for the first time, actually Christmas Eve, because I wanted to be able to watch 1984 on Christmas. Um, so I really enjoyed the first movie. I thought it was great. I think you you have to is it Gal is it Gal Gadot? Gadot? I think it's Gal I think it's Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, I believe is Gal Gadot. Uh, okay. She's fantastic. She's the perfect person to play Wonder Woman. I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take. I find Steve to be very boring, very bland. Uh, I just don't see I thought he was great in the first movie. I thought like 
he did a good job as being a companion for her into kind of helping her, you know, get into the human world and, and whatever all of that is and right. Learn the lessons she needs to learn and be her partner along the way. I thought that was great. Um, loved the first movie. Fantastic. I went into this movie with like pretty high expectations and I just felt like it's a fine movie. I'm not like the Twitter trolls who are like, this is the worst crap I've ever seen in my yeah. whole life. My life is ruined. No, not it's for this fine. reason. There are other reasons. <laughs> yes. No, it's not Wonder Woman that did, did this. No, it's, it's a it's... fine movie. There are like, to me, there are a lot of points that I just like, I have questions of like how this is possible, how this worked with this and with that and with that. And like we can get into all of that. I think the things that for me that worked very well were uh, Pedro Pascal as Max Lord. I thought he was fantastic. I loved Kristen Wiig in this. I thought she was also very good. I didn't like that they brought Steve back. I thought, again, I think we can either not have him at all or like find a different way to have her make a wish that she has to then give up or something. Like I just didn't see the point of bringing him back. And as someone who had just watched the first movie the night before, it really undercut the whole point of his death. Like he dies and there's a huge impactful moment. And then when he just comes back to life, it's kind of just like, well, why do I care that he just died then? You know? Yeah. Um, overall, I thought the movie was fine. I know people complained about the length. I felt the length more in the second half than I did the first. I thought it, it wasn't like, I mean, we've watched like, I just watched the extended edition of Lord of the Rings for like three and a half hours. Like I can deal with a longer Wonder Woman movie. Um, I just think like the acting wasn't my problem. It was more of like some of the storylines that I had an sure. issue with. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, we, we talked about Wonder Woman extensively the other week. Um, you, you very directly, you like deliberately said like, don't watch 84 until after we've podcasted about Wonder Woman. Uh, and I had managed to avoid spoilers. I managed to avoid, you know, the discourse for the most part, other than knowing it was polarizing. Um, navigate that for me, your experience with, with 84, both, uh, your, your feelings towards the movie, all of the sort of like the space that we're in surrounding 84 right now. Yeah. It's, um, it's a space that, you know, like, uh, like Diana at a certain point, you know, pre this movie, uh, just wanted to like be away from humanity and not have to deal with them ever again. Like she does in Justice League was like, I forget it. I don't want to ever talk with you or help you people. Um, after the discourse happened, like for me, I, I saw, you know, I, I'd seen Wonder Woman before I watched it and then watched 84 almost like immediately afterward. Um, like I, uh, you know, we, we, we watched it, I think like as soon as we were, we were able to. So for me, I came out of that movie and I really enjoyed it. And I think going into the internet discourse is sort of where I lost my own mind about everything because like, <laughs> I like, here's the thing after the end of that movie, I was like with Jess where I was like, it's fine. It's leaning towards good for me more than it is towards bad. Um, so like, I was just like, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I like this movie. Um, I wasn't going to say it's a masterpiece. And even if, if we were giving it a rating, it's not going to come near the, the first one. Um, it's definitely not as good as the first one, but the internet discourse made me so annoyed and frustrated <laughs> and like angry that it just made me want to fight and defend this movie harder. 
Um, which is a thing people have. They dig their heels in. Uh, but like the discourse around it to me is insane. Like the idea of people saying this movie is like awful or it's like just bad. Of course, like I'm just like, you need to watch more movies. Literally coming off of doing a podcast about The Last Airbender, I'm like, get out of my face with that take. Like, you don't know bad. <laughs> which, by the way, has yeah. not come out as of this recording, as of this podcast dropping, but you can look forward to Kevin and I joining Zach and Jacob railing against M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender on Ang in there coming this week. If that's uh, a, I think appointment listening, very good podcast, really really fun. And the things that people were picking out were just one of those things where I was just like, what? Like a lot of the complaints that I saw, not necessarily. I don't think from what Jess said uh, is the complaints she had. So like that's great. Um, but and we can talk about that. But like some of them where it was just like someone pointed out where it's just like this song came out in the fall of 1984. This movie is taking place in July of 84. Why is this song in here? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that's the type of stuff that like is looking for like the, the you're like you are scouring for Nick's or uh, nits to pick at that point. Yeah. But like yeah. it's, and then there's like other stuff. Like I know that that one thing and like, uh, a person I really like and, and follow and respect, you know, pointed out something about the, the rail line where it's just like that rail line wasn't around until 88. And like, as that, as if it's like destroys the film. And to me, like anachronisms like that, unless it's like li- literally world breaking, I, it's fine. Like it's, it happens a lot. It's okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't destroy anything in the movie. Like you look at some Marvel tech, right? Like tech is far beyond the existence because also the reality of that world changed with the existence of certain people. You could make an argument that the same thing is happening here to an extent, but like stuff like that, like that's the thing I saw a lot of people pointing out and like those stuff, I'm just kind of like, come on. And then to say like the movie is bad or awful because of that, I think is wild. The plot (laughs) stuff we can talk about, we can talk about all the other stuff. I'm down for that. And it's just weird because like, again, my response to this movie is like, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fine. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But like the negative response is one to the point of me, like literally just throwing on my gold plated winged armor to be like, all right, let's do this. You go in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, so I watched it after dodging all of the spoilers and most of the discourse other than knowing it was polarizing. And like my experience watching the movie was like, I was really enjoying myself. I just enjoyed enjoyed Pedro Pascal so much I thought it was mm-hmm. great I think Gal Gadot and Chris Pine have such great chemistry together um and like I I loved like the color of the movie I had one person tell me like you have to admit that the final fight was so underlit and hard to it was fine to watch on my I was watching on my computer it looked totally fine to me Same. I mean Kristen Wiig as Cheetah was a lot. <laughs> like when Kristen Wiig goes full Cheetah, didn't super work for me uh, in like the final uh, incarnation of the character. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. That happens from time to time. But overall, I walked away from it like being, uh, I enjoyed the idea behind it. I thought it was super, super, super comic booky in this idea of like uh, the wishes destroying the world. And like, if you start to like pull on the thread of that stuff, like, yeah, mm. like how did the world not just end inside of like five seconds once everybody starts making their wishes? But it felt to me like something that you would just read in a comic book. Like it felt to me like it was a storyline of that mold and was not far field. And I enjoy a movie that's like a little bit lighter and is clearly having fun and has like a hopeful message, especially in like this shitty time that we're living in. So I tweeted out, I, I tweeted out, oops, I loved Wonder Woman 1984 with the shrug face. Um, 
And I, I use, I, I love a lot of stuff and I get to be hyper, uh, hyperbolic. And, uh, I, you know, it was literally, that's what I tweeted as soon as the credits started rolling. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the experience of watching the movie. Uh, and when I, when I, uh, unleashed like my first like knee-jerk reaction to it um i didn't do any of the work of like spending much time like thinking about the movie hard i was i was just still feeling it and i think Mm -hmm. for me where where i'm where i'm at right now is mostly still in that camp of like i had such a good time watching the movie it was so nice to like see like a big budget new movie in 2020 even in the capacity that we saw it you know alone in our homes or you know with our loved ones in our homes or however you saw it uh the lucky few who are safely able to get to theaters right now like you know that's great but for for me like to have a movie that was anticipated that i finally got to see uh that experience was just overall so positive for me and then and then you start thinking about some of the ways in which uh the movie either has like actual like big issues or um some things that like stick in your side to a certain degree i do think that there's a lot to talk about with like the chris pine stuff uh mm-hmm. and i think when it comes to like legitimate grievances against the movie i think that is that is the biggest area for me where like i'm coming around to that idea of like why did he have to just like why did he have to like uh invasion of the body snatchers yeah. his way into somebody else's human it's freaking form magic it's freaking magic just have him pop up well, he doesn't need just to take like over someone else's nuclear body warheads popping up all over the world yes. out of there, nowhere a, a nuclear missile can show up but a human just can't just pop out of thin air and someone you know what i mean someone just literally dies because some guy wishes it like <laughs> anything is possible. Just have him come in randomly. He doesn't need to be some other dude. Like that poor guy. He gets his body back after multiple days of not having it. And he's like, what he the hell just happened? Back on. He looks great. I you know. Yeah. I will say like, so this is, this is an interesting one because this is one that I did not think about as it was happening. And then afterwards the discourse around it, you know, I've been like listening to and like, I'm still not, I still get it. But it's one of those things where it's been amplified to the point of like, well, this is the biggest problem and therefore the movie is bad because of it. But it's such a small like plot device. And I think the reason they did it is one, it's a trope that exists. So like people do it because it's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that, that people are familiar with. Right. I'm not agreeing like that's a great reason to do it. But that is the reason why people do it in, in movies is because it's, it's a pre-existing trope. So people are way more willing to accept it because they've seen it. For example, this was a movie from 84. While this show came out later, Quantum Leap is entire plot structures about that. In fact, I think they purposely right. did it that way because Quantum Leap is notorious for the person once they left, like once Sam left into the body, going over to the, to the, um, to the mirror and like looking in it and you see the two versions of himself. So I think that was directly an homage to that as well. So I think that's a part of the reason why is again, like pulling out something from a time period or an era that they were trying to like play with and because of the familiarity of it. So I think that's why it happened versus just, he just appeared. Um, so like, I think that's why that happened. I think the discourse around it is really interesting and brings up a lot of interesting points, but it's so weird. And I, I feel like it's good to talk about it, right? Where I, again, bump against stuff is because of the level of like, well, this ruins the movie and makes it bad is so high. Like the movie isn't about that part of it. Like if, if like for me, if we want to talk about quantum leap, which is an entire series based upon the idea of hopping into other people's bodies and warping their reality. Sure. Let's, let's have the discussion about that. And I think we can further have this discussion, but when it becomes like the key factor of like, well, this movie is awful because of this one small plot device. I'm like, that is extreme. Uh, but I can imagine I, it. I can imagine being something of like a game ending hangup. 
Because I think like if you spot that immediately and a lot of people did and a lot of people Mm -hmm. like latched onto that as soon as it happened. And it took me until after watching the movie to even like really think about it. Uh, Like I can imagine that now like you're watching the entire movie and every time Chris Pine is on scene on screen, it's just like that ain't him. Mm -hmm. That's some other dude. That's Cliff. I think the problem is also that for me personally, it wasn't that it was just that one thing. It was like multiple things that you can like point to. Like if that was the only thing that like I didn't really care for in the movie, that's one thing. But for me, there were multiple things that I had issues with. And so it kind of just adds to the pile of reasons that I wasn't as high on the movie as some people were. Yeah. And I that think being that's totally fair. Big right. Like to me, again, like that's fair. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that I think add to it. But like you ended up on, on a spot where you're just like, yeah, it's fine. Like it's it's a, it's fine a movie. movie. It's a fine movie, right. and I Which think I you're think right. And I that's my point. I think yeah, and I think Mike Bloom kind of said it best too in the Discord. He mentioned that like being that it's was 2020 when it came out people are in a bad mood like people are in a really bad place and they want things to hate and they want things to kind of take out that anger and the frustration on i mean i kind of get why that is the way it is and this is the only movie that's like coming out quote unquote right there aren't many movies coming Coming out out. came out on disney (laughs) coming out um there aren't many movies coming out so people are going to you know like criticize them very heavily. And I think this, this movie suffered as a result of that. Yeah. Um, but that is one of the things that really kind of got under my skin about the movie. Yeah. And I totally yeah. get that. And I agree. Like, I think when, when uh, I, I said that too, in the discord uh, and, you know, in conversations with Josh and stuff, where I feel like this movie did suffer from the fact that everyone is angry at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. Everyone's upset. They want something to lash out at. They're at home, but a lot of them aren't with their loved ones. And they went to watch this movie. And this is the first movie, big blockbuster movie that everyone has been seeing since for months now. And so it unfortunately got the ire of a lot of that stuff. And it, mood impacts experience and emotion. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how it is. Look at what I'm doing. I'm also upset, frustrated, and angry. And what I could have just overlooked as like, uh, the internet's being the internet again. And instead it made me angry and made me want to like lash out. So like we all are doing it. We're all experiencing it. But like for me, it's, it's the level of it all. And I do agree. Like there's a lot to be discussed. And I think it it's true. Like having him, it, my, my biggest issue is with the idea of like Chris Pine in that person's body is that it didn't become a harder point of discussion amongst the characters I think that's where it loses it for me yeah. a little bit. Like after he- hearing to talk about it, I think if, if that became a bigger point versus Diana uh, just deciding necessarily like she needs her powers, therefore she'll resent her wish for that reason. I think, I think people would have been more okay with what happened, but the fact that like it wasn't as heavy addressed is, is uh, where I think a lot of people bump against. And I, I, I know like you, you want your heroes to be complex. And I think that would have been interesting to address. But it's also one of those weird things because like, I know like we're not the heroes. The heroes should be better debating on who we're talking about because the guardians are not that ever. But if I was given like the same choice, right? Is that something that's running through my mind? If someone was popped into someone else's body and it's someone that I deeply loved and cared about and I had the opportunity to be like, well, they're going to be here now. And, you know, this is this is this is the situation. What would I right. do? And it's a hard but, choice to an extent. For but correct people. me if I'm wrong. I mean, you guys know Wonder Woman better than I do. Is she not supposed to be like this moral compass? Like, isn't that who she is as a character? She she has like these huge morals from what I understand of the character. And so for me, like that should be a huge thing for her. Sort um, of. Yeah, if that's what the character is sort of. And that's that's where we get into the hard parts of it. Um, I think when you. When you look at um, the DCU and their their characters, you have Batman who exists in a far, far more gray area. And you have Superman mm-hmm. 
who exists in a far, far, far more like moralistic area, right? One woman has shifted and changed as a character so much because a lot of the people who have been writing her over the years weren't sure how to direct her. She's gone from being someone who's completely a pacifist who doesn't like, like fight at all uh, to someone who is a warrior like through and through. Like if you look at the comics, if you talk about the, the Max Lord storyline um, spoilers for a decade old, decades old comic at this point, like I think 14 <laughs> years, but there's a, there's a, this movie deals with Max Lord very differently than yes. he's dealt with iconically in, in the, the comics. comics. And Kevin will reveal that right now. Yes. So if you don't want to know, cause it is iconic, it's, it's pretty well known in comic book circles. But if this movie inspired you to like, go check out the Max Lord era of Wonder Woman, uh, maybe you want to skip ahead a couple minutes. So in this storyline, Max Lord doesn't have necessarily uh, wish granting powers, but um, mind control powers. And you find out like he actually implanted in Superman some time ago and has been using Superman without anyone knowing to like do terrible stuff. Uh, like he beat Batman up really badly and sent him to the hospital. And so when this all gets revealed, um, Wonder Woman confronts him and he activates Superman and they start fighting each other and Wonder Woman's fighting Superman and it's a really good fight. Like the actual fight itself is like pretty awesome. Um, and she does a good job, like the two standing toe to toe and she has him, uh, down for a second. She goes to Max and has the lasso of truth around him and is just like, call him off. I like, you know, let go of your control. And Max is like, no. And he's, and she's just like, how do I stop it? How do I, you know, break the control? And he's just like, kill me. And so, like, there's a pause, and then one woman just goes and snaps Max's neck. And so, yeah. that's how she deals with it in the comic. Whoa, so, again, okay. if you look at a version now, though, if you look at the version of the character, how it's been written now, and it was inspired by this movie, she is more of a moral compass. She is more mm-hmm. of a person who, who, will, who will lean a little bit more towards a Superman than the Batman. For Depending, again, I'm... I, 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 right, but it, looking at the first movie too that's who she is correct. she hates guns she's a pacifist she's stopping she wants to stop the war she wants to, you know what I mean that's who she is in the first movie so I think that going from that to this movie even if we're just looking at the movies and we're not looking at the comics I think her her character it's not in line with her character for this movie to deal with it that way well, you also have the same thing because again this the time period of this movie right like if the first movie was influenced by Superman um, uh, the first Superman movie this 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 to me, this movie is heavy, heavily influenced by not just Superman 2, but also Spider-Man 2 and a lot of ones that deal with this trope. But also, um, I think the 80 period, right? This movie felt like a movie that is happening or came out during 1984 in tone and style. Um, like with its goofiness, with it's not explaining everything in the way those movies did at the time. And so like, that's another thing that I think for me, I liked is that it just felt like a movie that exists in the 80s. Um, but in Superman 2, the most moral person in the world, you have these instances where they're faced with these questions and these conundrums. And it's like, what do, what do we do? And I think it's, it's part of the character journey to have them decide not to. I do think the hiccup is not having that be the reason for Diana about the body swap. Mm-hmm. If you look at Superman 2, you know, he gave up his power so he could have a life with Lois Lane and there's terrible stuff happening in the world. Like General Zod and the rest are taking over and he's he's literally ignoring it. Like it is stated that Superman knew it was happening and was just like, I'm ignoring it because I just want this. And then obviously at the end, he's just like, I can't have this. I can't do this. Um, and you know, he, he gets his power back very similar to here. So it is like a reflected storyline. I think they're pulling from. So yes, I do think 
I do think if if they had her address it more, it would have worked a lot better. But it's it's a tough thing to have your heroes be completely moral and completely perfect all the time. And that that's sort of the joke I made, where it's like, be perfect or be nothing. Because a lot of people now want their heroes to be completely perfect, which is ironic because that's what people always didn't like about Superman. Uh, so it's, it's weird to have, yeah, yeah, it's weird to have the the flip over all of a sudden of just like, well, the hero needs to do everything right all the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like people didn't like that for a very long time. And if we want to swing that way, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But that becomes a weird issue. And again, I'm not even saying like, yeah, the movie shouldn't I think have done my that. argument. <laughs> I think my argument is more of like not necessarily how Diana reacts to it, but more that like why I understand like you're saying it's an homage and everything, but then don't even make him have a body snatcher moment. Just have him appear instead, and we have to we kind of sidestep the whole problem to begin with. Yeah, but that's just it's just one of the many things. Like like you were saying, oh, it feels like an '80s movie, and I'm like in everything except the soundtrack. And I know, I know that's something you you even said yourself that you liked that it wasn't like campy and and everything but i i would have preferred at least one like give me one major 80s hit when they have the whole moment where steve is like trying on all the iconic wardrobe by the way the wardrobe was spot on for me um but like you have the moment where he's trying on all those outfits and he's like i'm sorry this was a little bit too cheesy with the escalator of it all like that was like a bit much for me but like put it in an 80s 80s song there there was an opera music where are we before you go go Exactly. Yeah. Anything. A huge hit. Just throw in one. For Give sure. me one. And I can agree sure. with that for sure, Jess. For sure. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, 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 I would have liked like at least one like pop hit of the, of the time mm-hmm. to like really cement it. I think where I was stating is just like, I'm glad they didn't go into the realm of just like, it's just all 80s hits all the time. Um, yeah. This isn't Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, I understand. Right. Like, that's not what we're doing here. But like, even one in the sillier moment of yeah. the movie would have been nice because you have the moment. Like, why is there opera music playing when he's like learning about escalators? What is happening? Yeah. I think that that's fair. I, and I, I say this as someone who I adore Chris Pine. I love Chris Pine. <laughs> I think that he adds a lot whenever he's involved. I think. Uh, the, the chemistry between Diana and Steve in this movie is actually really great for me. Like, I think that they work really well together. Um, but I, I wonder, and I know that this is another issue too, is like, so, so Diana's just like been pining for Chris Pine since he, he blew up in World War One. A lot yeah. of time has passed like and like, she's just still years? thinking, I know he was above average. And he's Chris Pine, but that's it. And one of the things that I, that I dislike about it, aside from like the obvious stuff is I think one of the strengths of Wonder Woman as a character and as a potential franchise and something that they've obviously established here now doing Wonder Woman 1984 is that like Wonder Woman three could be like Wonder Woman 1952. You know, it could be whatever. Like you could mm-hmm. be hopping all over time. And so I think to have her have been like, uh, wistful over Steve for all this time becomes a little bit limiting for some of like the other like periods of history that you could hop into with Diana. Like, and I think is a real disservice to the character in terms of like how she could have like moved on with her life. I think for me, what I would have really enjoyed just to like fanfic this out and like do a rewrite is, you know, she's hanging out with Kristen Wiig. They're talking about all yes. the things she's like, she's doing the, um, she's doing like the wish, uh, of, you know, instead of like, I wish like Steve was back or whatever, uh, like tie it more into everything that was going on in, on Thymascara and like have her be like, thinking back on like Robin Wright 
Be like, man, I really yeah. wish that Robin Wright was still here. And then Robin Wright gets to occupy that full Chris Pine role and you get more Robin Wright because yes. she's like the best character in both movies, even though she's in like five minutes of each. Uh, and then you have like the, like you get to repeat the Wonder Woman fish out of water, but in a way that's like much more connected to Wonder Woman's history yeah. with another, uh, Amazon, uh, coming into, uh, into something closer to the modern day. Mm-hmm. I would have really loved that. And I think that that opens things up to like have diana's life be a little bit more vibrant and less sad you know in the 70-ish years between the end of wonder woman one and wonder woman 1984 so the more that i've thought about that the more i've been a little bit bummed about that way in which chris pine's inclusion in 84 uh throws things back a little bit more than what i was feeling like when i think about it that is that is a thing that like i i feel like I don't, I don't know exactly why they feel like they need to have both of these movies be the Diana and Steve story. Uh, yeah. I, I think that there's still a way to have the basics of this story about, um, wishing for something that can no longer be, uh, and tell that in a way that I think is better and more interesting and with a character who was, uh, underexplored in the first one. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I got frustrated mainly because I didn't, like I said, I didn't mind Steve in the first one, but then to me, like as a woman to like have Diana's story, like somewhat taken from her and like have to be connected with Steve all the time is really frustrating. I want to watch a strong woman like kick ass. I don't want her to have to rely on this guy and be pining haha, over this guy for like 70 years. And not only that, but like I could have had more Kristen Wiig. Like I don't know the whole cheetah backstory. I don't know any of that, but I, I think that to have that final battle between the two of them mean more. We need to connect Diana and um, Barbara a little bit more, make them more friendly towards one another, you know, set that relationship up a little bit more. And obviously people are complaining about the length of the movie, but like find a way to, to make that relationship stronger, quicker. And maybe that's without Chris Pine there, you know, have those two be the central storyline. Josh, I love your idea of having um, Robin Wright back in the movie. She was amazing. And like, I keep calling her Robin Wright because I can't remember. I don't know her name either. The one with the long blonde, like, great. That was awesome. Antiope. Okay, cool. Yeah. Have her back in it. Like, have strong women at the helm. It's just frustrating to kind of see, like, it's like, does this movie pass the Bechtold test? Like, honestly, does it? Because it's, we don't need the guy there. We don't need him. Like, I know... I know maybe it takes away from like her learning to fly and the whole like that whole thing. Find a different way to make that happen because that was that was pretty great. But like I just want to see strong women. And I just felt like having him there took away from it yeah. for me. So, yeah, um, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying here. What's what's interesting is that, like, I think everything you guys are saying is basically how to make a better version of this movie. And I think that's totally fair, right? Because we're ending up on like, this movie's fine. And like, I think there's ways yeah. that we could have changed the plot to make it better. The plot structure that they have, like, if I, if, if I think about, I agree about the, the, the relationship thing. I'm kind of like over that. It's, this is a weird comparison, but when I was, I, I we've been doing a Disney rewatch in my household. We just got a hunchback and I was dreading getting to hunchback because I was like, Oh, I remember this movie sucks. And because like the quasi mono doesn't get with Esmeralda and she gets with this like rando, what? blah, blah, blah. Spoilers. I haven't seen it. <laughs> That's an even older <laughs> movie. Oh, man. Um, uh, but like, <sighs> like that's something as a kid, I had this mentality of, right. And then like, as an adult, I'm watching this movie and like my views and, and, and the world has changed in, 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 in how I see it. Um, mm-hmm. I would have preferred, like, honestly, Esmeralda and, not, and Quasimodo not getting together, I am fine with, and I was okay with, and I did not want them to when watching this movie. Uh, 
but they didn't do enough, I think, for, for Phoebus and her to get together. And I would have preferred it if she didn't end up with anyone because that didn't have to be her story. Like Esmeralda's story yeah. is completely not about that when you look at that movie. And I would have preferred that outcome. And I think here's a great example of that where we didn't necessarily have to have Diana's story be tied to, um, to Steve, uh, the male character, right? Like there's words to change that. That all said, I think structure wise, what they were going for. And here's where I get into my, stuff about it. I think it works in what they were trying to do because like you look at what Diana is in, in this story presented and I don't think it's super far off from where we could have ended up. She lives on an immortal island. So grief and loss is not something they're probably super duper familiar with to begin with. Um, and you have her mentor dying right before she left. Uh, someone she did not get to say goodbye to either. She ends up in man's world. She can't go back to Themyscira. She ends up with this new group of friends, her first love ever. And he dies and she doesn't ever actually get to say goodbye to him because when he leaves in the first want to go fly the plane she can't hair properly and they never get a real goodbye she never gets to say goodbye to this guy her first love so he's gone the other friend she's with she watches and this is actually a moment i loved so much is when they showed her pictures and they showed her with old etta candy like it really hit me right in the heart i thought that was so sweet but like she's watched all her friends die so you end up with a diana here who is immortal and outlives people and watched everyone she had came to connect with die in front of her. So she decided, I don't want to do this and has, has no friends. And that's how the movie starts off. You end up with an isolated Diana who is chosen because of everything she's experienced because of her own immortality and her own sense of loss and not understanding maybe how to deal with that to just close off completely. So to me, that's why, and it works for me that her and Barbara couldn't be friends at the start because of the story they're trying to tell for that character's journey about, going from isolation into opening up and becoming more part of the world um, than, than, than she was at the beginning. And I think that's a journey they were doing. Do I think they could have done a different journey and done it better? Sure. I mean, I think what you guys are saying totally makes sense. Um, it would be a different story and a different thing that they're doing. And you, you structure the story from that, like, you go from there, but in what they're presenting and what they're doing as far as the character journey itself, everything I think that happened made sense. Steve coming back, I think we could, of course, go back and forth on like, does that need to happen? But in terms of like the loss to help her say goodbye, a thing she wasn't able to do before, I think works in my opinion. And again, in terms of like the character and where they were going with it. And the same thing with Barbara. I, I, I wish there were more scenes with her and Barbara, but there was enough that happened that it didn't feel wild or crazy to me that they yeah. uh, went from like friends to enemy. I think we saw them talking. Mm-hmm. We saw them talking a number of times throughout. Um, Diana's sometimes a little bit demanding of Barbara, mind you. Um, but like I, I, for me, it, it, I don't think it works like again spectacularly, but I think it works enough that it didn't destroy the, the, the story structure for me. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Barbara. Yes, me too. Okay. I want to talk about Barbara. I want to talk about Kristen Wiig. Oh no. No, no. (laughs) Your face. Yeah. Your face is scary because. Well, so, so one of the things like there've been like some of like the backlash and like some, some of what I heard directly was like, how, how could you say like amazing Spider-Man was so cartoonish when like, uh, you know, like Barbara as Cheetah is like at least as bad as Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And to that, I'd say, first of all, like, you know how I feel about Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So if, like, your argument is, like, this is, like, Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze level bad, like, you're missing with me, because I love that shit. So, first of all, that's a a losing argument, because I'm going to say, oh, they're going for something. I like it when they go for something. But I, I also, I thought, um... Like the the scene that I would uh, would point to is like when she's 
when she's beating up the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that was like such a dark scene. Like that was like a really chilling yeah. scene. And seeing Kristen Wiig do that was was kind of powerful uh, for for me. I, I I don't love the design of Cheetah. By the end, we're going into like Venom Teeth territory, Goblin Teeth territory, and that's not my favorite thing. Uh, just as like a visual thing, like th- that's tough for me. Um, but I I really thought that Kristen Wiig did a, a much better job in this than than I thought when they announced that she was going to be going to be in it. Um, Jess, the floor is yours. Talk to us about yeah. Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. I, I love her. I love her in the beginning. I love the character they set up for her. Um, the things that bother me about the Barbara stuff and the Cheetah stuff is more of like the technical storyline questions. I think she plays the character very well. You know, I think it, it totally makes sense for her to want to be like Diana, being who she is in the moment she's in and, and the, and the, the, the guy who like harasses her. It makes so much sense for her to want to be Diana, the strong, powerful woman who's self-confident, who people like. I, I get why she wants that. The cheetah design, you know, it's fine. It's not like my favorite. Um, but my, my questions are more like the storyline stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm pulling threads here, but like, okay, she wants to be like Diana. That is her wish. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Diana doesn't have hordes of people coming onto her on the street trying to hit on her. Like, that was weird to me. Because, yes, of course, Diana's beautiful. We all, obviously, right? We can all see that. But she doesn't have guys like, hey, baby, you want to go get a drink? Like, on the streets constantly. That was a little bit much. I know maybe it's just like they're being hyperbolic with it. That was a bit too much for me. And then how does she become Cheetah? Like, she only gets one wish. Like, where did the second wish come from? We That, I don't understand. Uh, uh, well, doesn't Pedro Pascal, uh, have like the terms that he makes? Max Lord makes when, when he's saying like, all of you out there in the world, give your wish. And then he like turns around and is like, and give me your health and your stuff and make that one over there super well, powerful. Give her and your rage, give her your prowess. Yeah. And so like, but, I guess her body oh, is, is like, being, yeah, and her body's like, uh, well, I'm wearing like cheetah ish clothes right now. Okay. Let's just go full cheetah. <laughs> It, like basically, he he uh, grants your wish, but he takes something for, for himself, right? That's how Diana like loses her powers, right? Yeah. Like it takes something that is yes, very yes. you know essential to you or whatever. Give and take, give and it take. just was weird, and it didn't really make much sense for me because she already granted her wish, which again I didn't really understand to begin with. But I get the the strength that her powers make sense, but she doesn't have the power of like magnetism for men or something. So, uh, yeah, no. Um, so like I, I rewatched this movie before, uh, coming into the podcast. Right. So like I knew a couple of the things to like, I guess look for just because of the internet discourse around stuff. So this is, this is an mm-hmm. interesting one. So when, 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 uh, Barbara actually makes her wish, she says that she wants to be strong, sexy, cool, special like Diana, but, she says specifically strong, sexy, cool, right? So like those are the parts that that is the wish coming true. It's not necessarily the mm-hmm. like Diana, the like Diana is the powers. She gets powers like Diana, but oh, strong, okay. so sexy, cool is what she wished for. So that's why people were paying attention to her a little bit more. And obviously I think for me, I, I agree with you. I think everything was working for this character in terms of like how that changes her. Cause like when like, because Kristen Wiig is not unattractive either. And she mm-hmm. was, she was charming. She was smart, but she was also reserved. But once you, once you had this boost of confidence as a person who's also like does not have confidence, but when I was looking better and working out more and I got attention, I was a whole different person. Um, it was, it, it, I get that, right? Like I understand that aspect to it. 
the the part where it does get tricky is of course the ending where it's like she becomes a cheetah and the easy answer before i go into like before i go into a technical answer right before i try to give a technical answer the easy answer is because that's what she is in the comic books right <laughs> like that's which is well, she says like an apex predator yeah, or something so, like that yeah. she can point to that if you really want to yeah, which is which is the thing so on on when she's on the plane with max make me a cheetah i want to be a cheetah <laughs> when she's on the make plane with that. max i want that she makes the the, the comments about that because max was saying like he's he's the he's the dreamstone now he gets to make the rules right and so and again, this is, I agree, this is the wonky part of the, the, the movie because it's a dreamstone and what are, what are the rules? What are the rules? Um, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's a very like comic booky silver age thing. Um, so he basically says like he gets to make whatever changes he wants and gets to do what he wants, but he's also a jerk. So I do think. The transformation into Cheetah is unfortunate because, like, it is, she looks like that because she, she looks like that in the comics and she becomes a literal Cheetah. I also would have preferred, like, something a bit different. Like, how do we get there? And there's no real, like, thinking about it, there's no reasonable way to get a person to turn into an animal. Well, can she be more like, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but can she be more like a Catwoman, like, cat-esque without so, literally being a cat? I think they could have, yeah, and I think you, there's ways you could have played with it, and this becomes a tricky part of dealing with comics, right, and comic fans to a certain extent, because, like, I do think they could have made it less where it's like she looks more humanoid, has claws, has teeth, has features that become feline-esque, but it's not like she's a literal cat person. Uh, on yeah. a side note, I do think as the, the 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 effects aren't amazing because I don't think you can make a cat person look amazing regardless. But when people are like, "This is like cats," I'm like, "Yo, I've seen cats twice. This ain't like cats, man. This is better than cats. cats. Don't twice. even no. I've seen that movie two times, and uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. So anyway, um, but that becomes a trick because it like I would have preferred that. Like I, she was becoming more ferocious feline looking throughout which uh there's another comment i have there but i would have preferred that journey to continue overcoming becoming a cat person because that is like i was like the fight scene i didn't mind it Uh, i thought the fight scene was fine but i will say this though that my favorite thing about kristen wick's transformation her outfits and even at the beginning of the movie her outfit wasn't bad like her dorky outfit i thought was still like that's still a good outfit and i think that's the point is that she wasn't what she thought she was but like she presented herself in thinking like she's one thing where she it's like your outfit's actually not that bad man um but like the outfit she gets afterwards as she's going that one with the like where she's in the white house with the spike jacket (laughs) and where she has a fur coat at one point i'm like oh my god these outfits are amazing these outfits are so good you know what the key to being evil is eyeliner that's what i've learned in this movie that lets you know like, you, you think, I'm, you think I'm a good guy? Well, guess what? Eyeliner. That's how I'm you not. knew Jack Sparrow was, you know, like neither good nor bad Shifty. because of his yeah. eyeliner. Obviously. Eyeliner, yeah. eyeliner on the top means you're a good guy. Oh. Eyeliner on the under eye means you're a bad guy. That's good yeah. to know. That's good. This is a good tell, and I think just like moving forward in life, I think it's important to keep that in in the pocket. Also, iPhones uh, are a good way of indicators because in movies, uh, the way I mean, they may have changed it now, but the way it used to be, the the bad guys can never use Apple products because Apple didn't want yeah. that so if a bad oh, guy was funny. using an android in a movie they're the bad guy <laughs> yeah yeah that's good it's very good uh, i do one last thing sorry before we move on, if, if we're about to move on from cheetah i do want to say a lot of people comment on the electro stuff right and i i don't think i don't think performance wise at all uh i was 
I have to praise Kristen Wiig's performance in this movie because going in, I thought that was such a weird choice—a comedic actress in a role like this. I'm like, can she pull this off? And to me, she did. I think she did such a good job with the emotion and having her go from like charming Kristen Wiig to like that White House scene mm-hmm. where she's just aggressive and like cold and like I love that fight scene between her and Wonder Woman. I think it's so great um, as Wonder Woman is dodging to save people while Cheetah is trying to harm them. I think that's a that's a phenomenal um, character moment. Um, so I really liked her performance. I think people, and this is a comparison I've seen where it's like, and I do agree, it goes from like the dorky looking person, you have glasses, uh, to like, <laughs> now you're not wearing glasses, so therefore you're now hot. And they point- you're beautiful. Oh, what was that? Hold on. Hang on a second. Uh, we're all wearing glasses. Let's yep. take them off and okay. let's see if we, if we suddenly become more attractive. No, I think we can't, oh we can't God. see each other as well. You guys happens. are all so much blurrier. I actually can't see. I can see nothing. I don't know. If a if a tree falls, you know. Oh god, everyone just shakes. This is awful. If a blind if a blind person takes off their glasses, yeah. Oh, are they hotter? Can they see if they're hotter? Yeah. Not me. No, it's, be me. it's this is a side note, but it's like in movies whenever someone who wears glasses all the time and they have to say something mm-hmm. dramatic or they need to concentrate, they always take their glasses off. And I'm like, no, you you've been wearing your glasses the whole time. Your prescription is probably to the point where if you take that off, you can't see nothing. Like there's yeah. no reason you should be doing this. Yeah, movies don't really get glasses, right? No. Typically, no. Um, except for like, Scooby Doo. Uh, um, so because Velma, <laughs> she loses her glasses and she's like, ah, I could do nothing. <laughs> like she literally yeah. is like, I oh. call it like, I call it like the she's all that syndrome where yeah. you can take the glasses off. You're the hot person because that's how, it, yeah, that's exactly she's all that. And it's that it happens in yeah. this movie. It happens in a lot of movies, especially with comic book characters. I'm not to even reveal this in a, a public forum, but I have a friend who has outlined his strategy for how he'll take me down in a fight. Uh, should we ever come to blows? He's like, I'm just going for your glasses immediately. That's I'm like, damn it, yeah, so, I'm yeah, done. That's, that's a fair point. It's yeah. over. I've actually talked so. about this before, where if if if, uh, if any sort of outbreak happens, I need to have a supply of contacts because glasses would mean I would die very quickly. So I need to have contacts yeah. on hand. Um, yeah. But jumping backwards, I think I think what works in this movie for me versus like so people point to um, three things that come to mind, uh, many of which are Batman. Uh, Catwoman in Batman Returns, uh, Poison Ivy in Batman and Robin, and of course Electro in, um, Amazing Spider-Man 2. So the differences here for me of why this works is one, the glasses situation is something that, that happens through evolution, like the, of the character. The character, like the people because of the wish were paying attention to her even when she had her glasses on. She loses her glasses part way into the movie because of the powers thing. Her eyesight adjusts itself. So people were still paying attention to her and thinking she's attractive even with her glasses, which is a difference from the, previously that we're talking about. The other thing is that all the other characters have some sort of weird accident and they completely transform like this. Like they go from being dorky weirdos to crazy evil immediately. Like Selena gets pushed out the window. She shows up. She's completely different because she has a nervous breakdown. Basically um, you have Electro. It should who be noted up. that there is a, a cat woman of, of sorts in this movie, as well as a villain named Max. <laughs> That's uh, true. Uh, oh my gosh. Which is the case in <laughs> Batman Returns as well. Can you imagine Pedro Pascal talking like uh, Christopher Walken? Um, Christopher Walken as Max Lord would have been next level, That would have been the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> life is good it could, could be, be better, better. Um, yeah. <laughs> granted granted it, granted um, it, it could be better uh, so but in, in this in this case right Electro is another one where his personality flips like a switch same thing with Omer Thurman's Poison Ivy flips like a switch 
This movie doesn't do that. Like, yes, it has the, the transformation of character, and I agree. Yes, this does do that that style of thing, but it does it well, in my opinion, because you see the gradual transformation of this character throughout the piece. She doesn't beat up that guy until halfway into the movie, which structure-wise is usually the point in which your characters have their turning moment. So, and that's also the part where Diana gets shot in, in the desert chase scene and, and starts losing her powers and becomes a dr- dramatic thing. So you, you have these instances where Structure-wise, it, it doesn't happen like a flipped switch. She goes on the journey to becoming this evil person, and I think it works here because they took the time for it. This does also hit to me what you're saying just about the length. People are saying, like, this movie is two, two and a half hours long. It's so long. It's so long. And the length, sure, if you don't like those length of movies, fine. For me, I didn't really feel the length. But also, I think if this movie was shorter, people would complain that it's too short and they didn't develop the characters because mm-hmm. they had to cut a bunch of stuff. You know what else? Because it's streaming, you can pause it. Yeah. So I, I think again, there's a lot happening here where people are are are, mm-hmm. are are in the mood to like hit certain things, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's I don't think it's as simple and straight up. And and this is what I was telling you, Kevin. Is like I don't I don't I don't think it's like fair to say that like people don't like this movie purely because the world sucks and everyone's looking for a thing to be angry about. Is it a factor? I I think it in I many purely. cases it is. <laughs> Uh, sure. But I think, it, I think in, in the cases for some people, like that is playing like a larger percentage than, than for others. Mm-hmm. But like the more I've lived with the movie in my head, like the more like certain things like start popping out. So like those things definitely exist. And like I think about myself and we talked about this during the amazing Spider-Man stuff is like during the times of those movies, like I wanted them to be good. So I felt like I really liked them. And then time passed and years have passed and like they've deteriorated for me. Do yeah. I expect 84 to deteriorate the way that the amazing Spider-Man movies did? I don't. Uh, do I expect it to deteriorate from the feeling that I had watching it the first time? I do because it's happening a little bit. Um, but to, but, but not to a major degree. Like I still like my predominant feeling right now is like this movie was fine. It was fun. I really loved watching it. Uh, I had a good time with certain aspects of it. Like I had an excellent time with certain aspects of it. Um, play the, the, the song from Sunshine, uh, in the scene in which Wonder Woman rides the lightning and you know I'm there. And if you didn't know that piece of music that's playing during that scene where she rides the lightning it's from the danny boyle movie sunshine and it's like found its way into so many things because that piece of music is exquisite and exceptional that even in this case they're like no we've got our own original score but how about that thing from sunshine let's bring that in because that's going to sound really good right here and you know what good choice they were right it was an exceptional moment so there are exceptional moments up and down this movie more can us do, but that's going to happen. What are you going to do? Um, let's take a, a quick break, a uh, quick ad break right now. Uh, when we come back, let's talk Max Lord uh, in greater detail. Let's get into some feedback. We'll close this thing out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low cost month to month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. All right. And we are back and 
got to talk. You know what? Here's here's the thing, folks. You put a man in a helmet (laughs) and you make it so that he may not use his face at all for effectively two full seasons of television, with some exceptions. And what do you think is going to happen when he gets that helmet off? He's going to pop off like a rocket. And that's Pedro Pascal as Max Lord. He's chained behind the mask, the man in the iron mask, the Beskar mask for too long. And Pedro Pascal just goes off as Max Lord channeling. I believe he has said his reference point for this was Nicolas Cage was what he was aiming for. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he got pretty close on that target. There can only be one. Uh, but like, if that was like the, the, you know, the, the range that he was going for, I don't think it was a bullseye, but he's like, I don't know. I don't know terms of, of darts or archery. He's like, is he in like the yellow? Is the yellow oh, close to the center? He's there's not bullseye. There's like a bullseye and there's like a, a one, a ring outside. He's bullseye. like a ring outside the bullseye. Maybe just like on the outskirts of like the ring outside the ring outside the bullseye. Like, but that's like still like good points. He's hitting points. Uh, and Mike Bloom <laughs> has done, I don't know if this was something that was already happening, but I've seen Mike Bloom do it a lot of, uh, the meme format of, mm. of, of Max Lord going, Life is good, and then pointing again, but it can be better. As like the new Michael Fassbender, uh, show me the real blank, the real one, perfection. Yeah. Uh, like it's it's a, a really excellent meme format. I love this actor so much. I think that the character mostly really worked for me. There are ways in which he didn't work as well as I would have liked. Uh, but the, as somebody who who loves a hammy performance. Uh, moons over my mm-hmm. hammy here with with uh, Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Just what did you think of Max Lord? He was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I all of my issues around Max Lord are purely story based, not not the actor. I thought he did a fantastic job. Any line read he had was so OTT and I enjoyed every second of it. Like I I quoted him in the beginning, like never accept the limitations of nature. Like the way he says that line just kills me. His facial expressions I thought were fantastic when he's going insane and he's like bleeding out of multiple spots on his face. Like just so good. So over the top. I, I couldn't have asked for anything more from him. Um, just one of the best parts of this movie, I think. He does yeah. that little jig at one point, which was very endearing. <laughs> <laughs> He's incredible. Kevin, your thoughts on Maxwell Lord? Um, so I, I ended up really liking this character and I think it's weird because, uh, I'm with Jess also on like, I think there's a lot of wonkiness with, with certain parts of the character because of, uh, needing things to happen and like not fully explaining the Dreamstone and things like that. Um, but, the actor does such a good job. It's hard to dislike this character um, because he he's just so charming. As you know, Pedro Pascal is just so charming. The part that I did not expect and that really affected me in ways that I didn't think it would is so going in. I thought like, oh, Pedro Pascal being cast as Max Sword. That's interesting. I saw the hair and I was like, that's weird. That's that's really that's a, that's an odd <laughs> choice. But then the movie actually does explain this and talk about this. And I never expected it to because it's such an interesting and fascinating thing that I think speaks to like me personally. When they reveal the fact that his name is not Max Lord, but in fact, uh, Max Lorenzano, I immediately was just like, huh? And so 
that aspect of the character, there's there's so much that he says because this character represents something I feel like I'm familiar with. And just to jump to the end a little bit, I did not expect to be affected by this as much as I have been. And I've been thinking about it a lot just because there's there's something about it. But when you show the flashbacks to Max, there's a stuff when he's a kid, you know, and like his, his dad mm-hmm. being abusive. But when he's there eating the tamale and people are laughing at him and he has the beaten up shoes because he's poor and he sees the wealthy white kids, you know, playing and looking successful. And then they cut to him and he's outside. Then this is the scene I'm talking about when he's there and he's starting his, his, for his business, right? His little business. And he's all set up and kudos to Pedro Pascal for selling it. The look on his face, this expression of hope and enthusiasm and excitement because to him, he, he's he's about to start the American dream and he's going to achieve the American dream because he's Americanized himself. He's made himself into something that's sellable. Um, hence the name change, hence the hair change, hence all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And people talk about how he looks like Donald Trump. And I do think that's one. Yes, it's a Trump commentary, but also sure. I think it, it it is a representation of an immigrant making themselves look like what they think the American ideal is supposed to look like. Because at the time, everybody thought Donald Trump was was a successful you know businessman, but he's also a con man. Um, and so, someone making themselves look like this version of what they think America wants, and that really hit me. Especially again, that moment of like starting something from scratch and being like, "This is it. This is my time to shine. I'm finally going to be successful and be great." There's an idea of like wanting to be make make your family proud, make something of yourself, especially being an immigrant. That I feel like really hit me and. That bizarre motivation, I think, really works for that character and really compels into what he's doing. Like, there's a scene where he gets into the elevator and you see his smiling face, like, drop into sadness. And I absolutely get that kind of sadness. The envy that comes with, like, like essentially being a failure and having to smile your way through it. Like, I understand that. I get it. And, like, there's there's parts where he talks about, like, uh, if you dream it, you can achieve it. You can have it all. You just have to want it. That is the American dream. That is what they state. That's what they keep mm-hmm. saying. And so, like, that part of this character really, really, really worked for me. There's it's just, again, I think it just hit me specifically because of so much about that that spoke to me and, and, and parts of my family being immigrants and my mom starting a business herself. Like, there's a lot in there that I think so well worked for the character that the wonkiness that I do know exists almost gets overshadowed by that part because I think that part was done so bizarrely well, even though it was so small, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just wish they had like planted those seeds a little bit earlier. I think it felt rushed by the time that they did it. I think we could have had moments where, like you said, he looks sad or whatever, and we flash back to one of those. I don't think they needed to put them all at the end because I think that it makes us connect with the character more if we see them earlier on. I, I mean, I think it's, you still get the same, a similar end result in that you feel for him, right? And you feel for, and you understand why then he gives up everything to go to his son. It makes sense. But I think if we get those, a couple nuggets earlier on, then it's more impactful than it is shoved at the end of the film sure. where we're already like two hours, 20 minutes yeah. into this movie. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, I, I hear that for sure. I, I think I mostly agree. I think one way in which I disagree is, and, and I think for me, a lot of it is carried because I love the actor so much. I just mm-hmm. love Pedro Pascal. He's, he's never let me down in a single thing I've seen him in. He's just so fun. 
Um, and he's so in it, you know, he's a very committed actor, uh, and he could do, he could do like really serious drama. He can do comedy. Like he has a, a really impressive range as a performer. Um, mm-hmm. and because I'm in the tank with Pedro Pascal, like there is a part of me that is like, along for the ride with him no matter what like i'm i'm kind of just like feeling whatever he's putting down like i'm i'm there with him uh and so like there's almost like an aspect of me that like against my uh better in, uh my my better instincts like i'm i'm like almost rooting for him in a certain way uh and i think that like when people are like calling him a loser at the start of the movie and it's so clear that he's such a fraud um and the way in which he's reacting to that and the fact that he has like you know he's got his whole floor that is that is derelict and he's got uh, his kid for the weekend and you know he's losing track of stuff um, that like I'm already starting to feel for him with that combined with the actor so by the time that they get to the end and really put the point on it at that point like that that was really sad for me like it got really it got really really emotional and I, I don't know if, if, if that reaction that I ended up having for it uh, would have played how it would have played differently mm. if I had uh, a little more to go on from him in the beginning. Like it's it's I think this is very like personal subjective taste dependent that for me, I'm yeah. glad that I didn't have it, but uh, I can see that being a very different case. Yeah, for, I, think, for different I think I don't have as much like empathy for him in the beginning, just yeah, with sure. him and his son and everything. I kind of just feel like, wow, you're like a jerk and your poor kid <laughs> yeah. like is just like, and especially when he is like yelling like, Oh, what I have him this weekend and the poor kid can hear everything. And, that I just don't have as much. I, I get it. I do think you're right. I think it's completely subjective, and I think I just didn't have as much empathy for the guy in the beginning. And maybe if they'd planted those seeds along the way, instead of just hitting me like a ton of bricks at the end, I feel it and it grows. Yeah, you know? I think I agree about the like. But that was also when the turn was coming, right? Like when when he's starting to become someone else, when he's starting to lose the yeah. parts of it, is where he was mad about the Alistair part. And he's like bleeding yeah. from every orifice. Yeah, like, I mean, he's, he's just still like a joke to like his shit. kid earlier on. Sort too. of. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's weird because like I don't, I don't disagree but that that seemed also again bizarrely read different for me i think just because like at that point they had established a little bit of it they established that he the, the max lorenzano, uh, lorenzano mm-hmm. thing and like the way he was talking to his kid again like really spoke to me in a weird way of like i'm working really hard to make you proud and to make a good life for you so that you don't have to do what i have to do in a way right like that was the almost subtle intent yeah. of where it probably started, where it ended up is completely different. And I think even then where it ended up, he, he lost himself even before he made the wish. Um, so like those little things. And I think that again, it is completely subjective and completely personal. Cause I think that moment hit me because of my personal experience. It won't necessarily hit everyone. And I think that's okay. I think that's fine. Um, but like, I definitely see what you're saying. I do think that one shot again of, of that small business, I think is good at the end. Cause it just hit me in such a like personal way. And I think it is good to have that there. Um, and I will say something interesting I, I caught though, and they never talk about it or, or fully uh, explain it away or like, and it's left in a very like, not to say open interpretation, but like very bizarre thing is the ending of the movie. Some people I, I saw talk about, and even, you know, um, uh, my fiance mentioned the idea that like he flips his wish because he remembers like, Oh, his kid's in trouble. And he remembers his love for his kid and stuff like that. Um, it can, it, it kind of works, but she was like, it felt just like very, very like, you know, Oh yeah. Now he's, he's good again in this moment. But watching this movie again, something I caught that I didn't see before when he is with Alistair at one point and he does have the dreamstone and he, and he's granting wishes to people, 
Alistair starts starts to say like I I wish you would like I just I, I wish you would be with me. What, what, I wrote it down somewhere, but he starts to say like I wish that you would you know be with me and and not uh you know off in your business and stuff. And like Max pushes him away, and so instead mm-hmm. Alistair touches his leg and says I do wish for you to be great. Like I I do wish for your greatness. That I think somewhat explains what happens at the end to Max because that kid's wish was supposed to come true and so max remembering that stuff with this kid i think is a subtle way of the wish happening because the beginning of the movie talks about greatness not being what you think it is and greatness isn't being powerful and all this stuff you can be great in other ways so i don't think it's necessarily explicitly stated but i do think that turn of max happening isn't necessarily max fully himself i do think it's a part of the dreamstone working its magic because that's what alistair wished uh when he had that moment yeah hmm. yeah and he didn't renounce it nope. like uh that's i also don't understand the renouncing of the yeah, yeah, that's part's weird <laughs> So because like if, if everybody Max doesn't look, renounce, yeah. so does or Max, I guess it doesn't matter. Does Max have to be the one who renounces his wish, and because he renounces his wish, everybody's wishes are negated right. because he's no so. longer the stone? I think I think that's what happened, but I also think like but it was weird. Yeah, yeah, because when they said like oh like the person with the missiles, it was like oh then the missile explodes, and then it was like when people start renouncing, things start changing. Yeah, yeah. I think like for uh, me, uh, I feel like Max renouncing his wish reversed a lot of it, but any wishes that happened before. Could continue, which means that that's why I think Barbara actually still does have her, yeah, her powers. Yeah, like if, if it predates him becoming mm-hmm. the thing, she never. Uh, we never see her renounce her wish personally, so I do think Barbara still has superpowers. Uh, she, but she's just not the cheetah. She's, then. she's not a cheetah yeah, person because that Barbara came from Max. With the powers, um, yeah, that guy yeah. still has his hey, coffee, so he didn't like throw up his coffee back. <laughs> so he still got that. So I think that guy's fine. Did you be if that's how you wasted your wish <laughs> right? on a stupid <laughs> cup of coffee? Hey, so what's going to happen to all the Porsches? <laughs> I do love that. What is it you and your people in Porsches? Oh yeah. my god. You know, there were aspects of this was a funny movie. Like there were some things about the movie, especially because like you know that the world isn't gonna end and like things are gonna be okay and it's Wonder Woman and she's gonna be the badass, awesome Wonder Woman that we know her to be, and she's gonna fix things in some capacity. So like when when shit's going wild in, in DC and like there's Porsches all over like the fact that there were Porsches all over the street and like you you keep seeing them and you hear like that one like there's Porsches all yeah. over DC. <laughs> <laughs> like that cracked me up so hard. Like there were just some moments in this that I thought were really, there really, were. really funny. That, I think my favorite uh, line is actually from Steve and it's when they're, you know, taking the jet and he does the like, and she's like, Oh no radar. And he's just like, um, are they going to shoot at us? Well, I just oh, lost it. It was such a great read. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was like one of the only moments that I was like, oh, okay, I kind of see your worth now yeah. like, why you're here. Yeah. Because like, like I said, like the cheesy, like the, the wardrobe like scene, it was fine. And I, I love a cheesy 80s wardrobe. Should have been better. It could have, it could have been the, so much the better. The wardrobe scene was good. It can be better. <laughs> you know, yeah. It could have like throw on again, throw on some eighties music, and it would have been great. The escalator thing was a bit silly, but I think that that's Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I think ultimately that's my my review. Wonder <laughs> Woman nineteen eighty four was good. It can be better, uh, and that's fine. <laughs> I, that's totally fine, and yeah. that doesn't like take away from like. Uh, 
again, a lot of it for me was like feeling vibe stuff and like getting a movie that ultimately has like a hopeful message and ultimately mm-hmm. is just like pretty fluffy and light. Like every movie doesn't have to be Chris Nolan. Like every movie doesn't have to be even uh, like a super serious, intense Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I think I would I would put this uh, lower than most of the MCU movies for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's there's a couple that I think it would rise past. Obviously, like Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, Incredible Hulk, <laughs> Thor: The Dark World. I think I'd have this higher than Doctor Strange. I don't know that I would ha- have it higher than than anything else off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I think I would have it uh, pretty close to on par with like the next uh, for the MCU for me. Ultimately, like if I we, think it's Age of Ultron. If we do our scoring system, like I gave Wonder Woman one like a five, right? Like I feel like yes, this, I'd yeah. probably give a four. Like that's yeah. probably where I'd end up on the scale. Like, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, near the middle, but leaning towards the better end for me. I mean, and yeah. that's sort of where I land in terms of the score itself. But yeah, there is just fun stuff. Like there's there's such like little things. It was good. The, it could be better, but it was good. The beginning of the movie when Wonder Woman first shows up and makes her appearance, she literally smashes through the glass ceiling, which I thought was such a brilliant like little thing. <laughs> like he's dangling yeah. the girl over the ledge, and she smashes through mm-hmm. the glass ceiling. I'm like, oh, that's fun. And then she throws that. Yeah little girl into the teddy bear like slides her across like that was really fun uh her whole interaction at the beginning with those the the mall robbers i thought was a, a very mm-hmm. like funny like you know good action uh, yeah. i actually really liked it as an action sequence as well yeah. also i'm gonna throw out a spicy take here i feel like diana should have won the foot race in the beginning because like she was innovative she was creative oh. you know she fell <laughs> off she she's like cheated slightly i suppose but i was like let her freaking win man immunity like yeah <laughs> we were really except she didn't that. do the one thing she's supposed to like there's one thing because like you're like she was innovative but like very clearly you're supposed to like hit those little markers and things. she didn't hit the marker yeah. she like went back and like she hit the marker and then kept going like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that would be different yeah you did forget a rule i i suppose you're in russell hand's territory now you have to follow the rules to win you can't <laughs> just be like I, I, well I, if the rules were different i would have won is, like come this on this is just my evil side coming out i'm like give her the win i love her being like what the Oh yeah, she's pissed. I, I won. I won. You idiot. I would have been pissed too if yeah, I was her. I would have yeah, been pissed because yeah. I was ahead the whole time, and I'm like, you know, half the size yeah. of these other ladies. That was when she yeah. all lined up, and there's like the the like tall, fully grown Amazons, and then her like yeah. tiny little Diana was just such a great visual. I also loved that scene. Like we didn't get a lot of Themyscira, um in 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 this one for obvious reasons, but uh, mm-hmm. I loved the beginning. Like I thought the return to like see that world was so great and like the visuals are just so bright and like colorful and green and like having them do like that obstacle course was really fun. I really liked a lot about the Themyscira stuff uh, still. Um, Yeah. I think my one complaint is that uh, they didn't have any kangaroos. Like they were riding horses, but uh, as comic book fans would know on uh, Paradise Island, they actually ride kangaroos and Wonder Wonder Woman has a pet kangaroo named Jumpa. Uh, because um, yeah, right, right. Missed opportunity, right? Like this is the thing. Yeah. Like uh, there was now all now, I want to see, guys. Now in, the, in this era of comic this books, sucks. <laughs> right? Can you? Oh, I just wish I had a visual of that. <laughs> like this era of comic books, every superhero basically like had a pet. Like everyone knows Crypto, which is like Superman's, but like Batman had like Ace the Bat Hound. Aquaman had Topo, who was an octopus. Uh, Wonder Woman had Jumpa, which is like the kangaroo. Like it was a it was a thing. This was like a thing in the in the time period where like every hero needed like their own little pet. It was very fun, but 
Um, I decided let's not get into to. some feedback. Lots of feedback to get through. This is from Professor Strunk. Strunk says, this one's tough. Going in, I really wanted to love it, but leaving it, I thought it was good. Not great. I love that it didn't end with a brawl between Wonder Woman and Max Lord. Like Doctor Strange's use of Dormammu, the movie had a unique conclusion that didn't rely on Wonder Woman punching her way out. I also enjoyed the build-up to Wonder Woman's moral decision to renounce her wish and once more say goodbye to Steve Trevor. I found Pedro Pascal's villain to be pretty cool. I also really liked Kristen Wiig as the cheetah, but I should say I really disliked the introduction of her character. Why were people all mean to her for no reason? Why is she such a sad sack? It reminded me of Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. My biggest complaint is that the beginning and middle were slow. The movie was very light on action. Ultimately, some movies are better on a rewatch because once you know what the movie contains and what it's about, you can better appreciate what it is. Wonder Woman 1984 is one of those movies for me. That's what Strunk says. Um, this comes our way from the great Riley Wigmore. Riley writes in, I just want to say that I adored this movie. I loved it. I know there are issues with it. It's definitely overlong, and there's some pacing issues, and maybe the Steve stuff is hit or miss, but maybe some find the end, and, and maybe some find the ending cheesy, but for me, the cheese stuff works. Uh, put that on a shirt. The cheese stuff works. Uh, the movie as a whole works for me. I can see some issues, but they aren't issues for me. I loved the movie. It reminded me again of the classic Superman films mixed with a bit of Raimi sensibility of movies that embrace the heart and the cheese. For some superhero stories, this movie is just fun, plain, and simple. Kevin, you and Riley got into it in the Discord. Not like into it, but like the two of you were going back and forth. Any takeaways from that conversation to be had here on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this was like very shortly after we had watched it when the criticisms were coming out. And I think Riley and I talking about it was that first moment, too, of like him and I both like not digging our heels but like leading into like what is what is happening right now what is going on like you, you know we look at like we think everything's going good we look outside and and there's you know porsches everywhere and like it's all chaos and pandemonium out there so we were both like a bit not understanding what was happening we had a good conversation about like why we why we liked it and the things that worked for us and like you know uh, the expectations of this film and this film did have a lot of expectations needed to live up to um but in, in terms of it was a movie, again, it, it was fine. It was enjoyable. I liked the movie. It was a movie. But yeah, it was it's, it's not like, you know, yeah, it, it's not as bad as people were making it out to be. <laughs> uh, from Chris Brannigan, Chris writes in, my biggest issues with the film were the tone. I feel Marvel has found a great balance of seriousness and comedy in their films, and I think Wonder Woman failed on this. We went from the Themyscira scene where Diana could be learning important lessons to a slapstick comedy fight in the mall, then back to seriousness in the next scene. Uh, difficult juxtaposition. Jess, do you feel that at all? Like, did you feel any kind of like whiplashiness with the tone of the movie, or was that not a big factor for you? It wasn't a huge factor for me. I, I gotta be honest, I didn't really understand the mall scene. Oh, I mean, I was kind of like, where are we? Like, I, <laughs> I didn't exactly understand what was going on. Um, no, I just think the pacing was a bit off more than the tone changed too much for me. It didn't really devolve into silliness all that much beyond like the fashion show segment. Yeah. Um, Kevin, yeah, I guess you, you you don't really feel that, right? No, I didn't feel tonal whiplash, like especially compared to like other movies where there is just shifts in tone. Like throw it back to um, actually what I mentioned earlier, Hunchback of Notre Dame. I think the biggest issue with that film on on a rewatch for me is the tone because to me that movie is a lot of seriousness, and then all of a sudden you have these gargoyles, and one of them voiced by um, Costanza over there, uh, George Costanza, Jason Alexander, and it's just like that is a tonal whiplash because like you have this. Like, like dark and serious moments. I don't think the mall sequence 
is good. Like, I think it works well considering we came from an action sequence where they're going and doing weird spinny pendulum moments and like all this other weird stuff to like a fun mall action sequence. I think it works. I, I don't, I didn't feel like a, a, a crazy tonal whiplash. I think if they went full, cause like the mall sequence wasn't slapstick. If they did go full slapstick, that is a tonal whiplash for me. Like that's, that's, that's a weird tonal shift. I really didn't feel it that much here at, at all compared to like other stuff. In my opinion, yeah. again, mileage varies yeah. person to person. Um, Tom Palmer has a take that aligns with what you were saying earlier, Jess. Tom says, Wanted more 80s music. Uh, and I think it's fair when the movie's marketing itself is taking place in the 80s to expect more 80s music, mm-hmm. is Tom's take. Especially when you have all of the, again, iconic outfits. Like, I cannot express to you how badly I wanted to be Diana when she went to that party in that white ball gown. And I was like, if I could just, like, body snatch your body for, like, one moment and that dress, I would wear that. Because mm-hmm. it was gorgeous. Like, everything about the wardrobe was 80s like the the vest with the belt and the pants and the everything was working for me i just like you expect some some 80s heads i do i do agree like i do think like you said i think one would have been great like i think going overboard maybe like is is where the danger Mm -hmm. lies i bizarrely though i i feel like the the other stuff about this movie in terms of like as an 80s film i think works incredibly incredibly well like again i agree about the music i think they could have they could have had one or two but like Mm-hmm. The, the fashion, I think, was on point, but also specifically of the right time period. There wasn't as much neons, which is actually more of a late 80s, early 90s look. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think the fashion really hit the look and, again, the style of the movie, right? This, this felt like a movie that, that, that is mimicking the style of films from the 80s. And I think that's really clever and really smart. Um, and it's, and, and hits a weird thing where it's just like, People talk about being nostalgic for the eighties, but like, this is kind of what the eighties were when it came to movies. Like, and maybe, maybe you're only nostalgic for certain things from the eighties, but I do think the other thing that I really like about it is that this is an interesting comparison I thought about. Um, Back to the Future, a film made in 1984, looks like this movie in terms of fashion and style and, and how it just looks. It looks like the parts where Marty is in 1984. When people talk about like stuff from the 80s, a lot of times they go to Stranger Things. Stranger Things, and again, I like seasons one and three of Stranger Things. Uh, Stranger Things feels like Back to the Future 2, where he goes to the 80s cafe, where it's a mishmash of just things from the 80s that people like. And it felt more just like, hey, remember this from the 80s? And they're all in the same place. So like one of them feels like Stranger Things is a nostalgia for the 80s. This to me just felt like the 80s, which is, I think, an interesting contrast. Um, this is from Troy, the great DJLK, who writes in, all in all, I would have been fine to see this in a theater and wouldn't have been mad, but I'm glad I could be at home and scroll Twitter during the long, unnecessarily drawn out <laughs> parts. Um, and I actually want to totally disagree with that. I, I really wish that I'd seen this in a theater. I miss theaters so much. Uh, and I think that like, there would have been like, just like the, the pops of color, like the fireworks scene. Like I want, I would have loved to have been in a movie theater, just sipping a soda, watching that stuff. I really did miss that. I don't know where we're going in terms of like the death of cinema. You know, are we ever going back to theaters or yeah. will we be going back to theaters in the same way? Like who knows? Uh, ask us in two years, right? Um, but I really miss it. And this movie made me miss that in, in a pretty significant way. I was kind of surprised by that. That was like an active thought that I had while watching the movie, which I think might be why like so, sort of the lighter tone and like the hopeful message hit me. Cause like that 
stuff was like actually actively bumming me out. And then like uh, the idea of like, you have to make sacrifices in order to like move forward in life. It's like, Oh yeah, we have to sacrifice going to theater so we can go back to theater. Do you, do you miss theaters? Jess? Um, we weren't really big movie goers to begin with. Like we, every once in a while we'll do like a dinner and a movie thing, but it's not something that we did so often that I miss it. Um, I actually, we bought ourselves like a, uh, a screen and a projector to do at home drive-ins like two years ago. So we were doing that a lot during the summer, nice. uh, when we really couldn't go anywhere because it was at least something to do where it felt different. And that I actually really enjoy. There is something about watching a movie on a big screen. Um, and we went to, I prefer drive-ins to movie theaters, if I'm being honest. I don't really like to I've never been to a drive-in. Oh, you need to go. Yeah, I'd love to. It's a really good time. And you're not close to people, which I prefer not to be even without COVID. And you don't have to worry about people being annoying as as much. You still have the one-offs. But we saw Jurassic Park and E.T. in the drive-ins over the summer. That's fun. And that was like, can you imagine a better movie to watch in a drive-in theater besides Jurassic Park? Like it's epic on a big screen. I've, it would be scary to watch the car scene. I was going to say that's what you makes it put great. Across the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make me nervous. I get anxious. I'd have mm-hmm. a panic attack for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so we we got you know bonus scores from from the peeps, uh, people who are sending in their scores. No one exceeded a five. No one hit a five. Uh, the highest we had was a four point nine. The lowest we had was a two and a half. And I actually think that that range is really fair. I think that that mm-hmm. range of like between a two and a half to a four point nine, I think speaks to the people who loved the movie and then speaks to like about as low as I would feel like you could reasonably go with the movie. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. It just might be that like, I watched like my brother, like live blogging the movie from a distance and being like, what are you talking about? You you idiot. Uh, but like, that might just be me. Uh, but like, you know, I think, I think like you could, you could be on the lower end of this too, but like, it would be hard for me to like, figure out like what's the excusable reason to be like in the ones on on this if we're going mm-hmm. by like a six point uh scale um if that's you i don't think we heard from you uh so feel free to you know to write that out i think we're moving on so that <laughs> the timing is off <laughs> so don't or, waste you your can, breath. <laughs> or you can hit us up in the discord if you want uh, if you're a member of the patreon and you're at the discord level go to the everything is super channel hit us up uh because i don't think we really got that take uh too too much of that anyway personally that i saw um but yeah, I, I don't think I've got anything further on on eighty four. I was happy to watch it. I was I was glad for a new movie. Uh, I really loved the experience. I think Kevin, a, a four out of six is probably w- about where I land. That could that could degrade or increase with more time and thought to it. I don't think I'm going to think about it too much, you know, for a while, which maybe says something. Uh, but um, you know, that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at with it. Ultimately, Jess, do you have any final takes? No, I would say I'm probably about a three and a half if I had to put a number on it. I mean, like I said, I saw problems in the movie that I didn't... The story was a little wonky for me. The the actors largely make up for that. That's kind of where that three and a half is coming from, is largely the actors' performances I thought were fantastic. And, and some of those characters are really fleshed out in a really nice way. Um, yeah, it was fine. Like I said, if you're looking for a movie to watch... I mean, now you probably already watched it if you're listening to this, but <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Kevin, any any parting thoughts? Um, I really like the action in this movie. I don't think it's as good as the first one because I think the action scenes of that were out of control good. But um, I do like the action. I like the mall scene. I think the desert scene was awesome. Um, her like you know basically it's a car chase except she she is acting like a car. I think is great. Uh, I I love that entire sequence. 
Um, I really loved the, the fight in the White House. I thought that was fantastic as well. Like I, I mentioned, I think there's something great and such a character moment of Kristen Wiig basically trying to kill these guards and her desperately trying to like save them as their one's about heads about to ba- get bashed in. So she grabs the back of them or like pulls a chair over. I think is really awesome. But I really liked all of that. Uh, I, we kind of mentioned it, but like the scene of her flying when she first takes flight is phenomenal that is such yeah. a great scene mm-hmm. and it is like one of those things where i'm just like oh man if only i could see a superman scene like this <laughs> like again one of those moments i do think man of steel came days. close i do think man of steel came close to like having a good superman takes flight scene but this was so spectacular and so wonderful um that scene was such like we're very well done and well shot and the music as you said josh i think really helped for that uh and i and i also should say speaking of music uh, this is the most I liked the modern Wonder Woman theme <laughs> because they didn't bust out the stupid electric guitar. Uh, and so maybe it was just a matter of instrumentation <laughs> for me because when they were like orchestrating it, I was into it. Uh, but guitar God. just reminds you of, uh, your, 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 your good me friend. That your good stupid friend. electric guitar riff. Get out of here with that. So I'm glad that they took the note and ditched it. Uh, very happy about that. All right. That's Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, that's everything is wonderful. Uh, now it's everything is wonderful uh we are moving into wandavision uh is the next focus of the everything is super podcast we'll be back next week just talking about those characters expectations for the show just general preview if you've got feedback for that anything you're looking forward to with the return of the marvel cinematic universe expectations for like you know we're at the kickoff of phase four uh officially so if you've got thoughts about that especially knowing what we know now about the plans for uh the future of the mcu 10 new projects just this year which is insanity uh hit us up this is the perfect time to do that super at postshowrecaps.com or if you are a member of the patreon you can hit us up in the discord and if you're not a member of the patreon might i add now is a perfect time to consider signing up it's the start of a new year it's the start of the month it's always the best time to sign up for the patreon and what's more we actually now have an option where you can sign up for an annual membership you can pay for the full year there's an eight percent discount that's a full month off uh so if that sounds attractive to you as an option you can explore it go to patreon.com slash post show recaps where we've got not just the incredible discord community where people are interacting with all of us hosts and with each other and talking about the podcasts well beyond the podcast itself it's also the home for lots of great exclusive podcasting such as the lord of the rings series that we're doing on post show recaps theater this month we're talking about the entirety of Lord of the Rings. Jess just joined me talking about The Wilds, uh, the Amazon show for watching with Wiggler. And of course, Jess, we podcast about community on the Community Building podcast, which uh, some have said, Jess, that the most recent episode of Community Building, best podcast of the year. Don't at me. <laughs> There's a lot of time for it to be beat. You know, but I appreciate this podcast is recording. It's January 3rd. <laughs> take, yeah, take, take the award and go. Take, take the award yeah. and just go. <laughs> you know, so we're going to take that. We're going to leave. Mm-hmm. So lots of reasons to, to sign up for the Patreon here in the main feed. Beyond everything that's cooking up for everything is super. We are embarking on a new Star Wars adventure. We're going to be announcing the new Star Wars podcast this week. Keep an ear out for that for all the details on what we plan on doing over the next few months uh, next several months in fact talking about star wars on a regular basis down the hatch is at the officially at the midpoint of lost kevin we just finished season three we're stopping down for a season three feedback special uh we had to go back and so far we're not regretting it i think well which, which one's the time travel season is that five 
Nah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, you got a while to go for the actual good season again. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, you like that season? I love the time travel season. Oh, great, 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 If the show had just oh, pieced great, out great, on season great, five, great, we would be great, fine. Great, 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 great. I'm so happy. So happy to hear it. I'm so happy to hear it. So we've got a really fun podcast over at Down the Hatch. Uh, and of course, there's the stand coverage. There's Star Trek Disco. Kevin and I, as we mentioned, we were on Aang in there this week. Just a million bajillion things happening on Post Show Recaps. A great time to be a part of this community jess sterling speaking of community uh what what do you got going on in your in your podcast universe besides community i was gonna say besides the three podcasts i've done with you this weekend <laughs> we have, yeah. uh, over at uh shit 90 shows taught me we have dawson's creek coming out uh i think it'll already be out by the time this comes out on monday um we're starting with that show we did the pilot it was a lot of fun sarah's never seen it so we're not a spoiler free if you want to watch with us for the first time. It's now on Hulu and Netflix. And then we're continuing our Boy Meets World journey. We're uh, heading towards the end of season one. Uh, Corey's becoming a teenager. So that's a lot of fun for us to handle. <laughs> How's that <laughs> Always, going for him? Is he doing okay? His voice is changing and it's noticeable. <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> we talk about how much of a zaddy Alan Matthews is. He's which, so good. Like, uh, Alan Matthews is so great. So early on. And he gets sidelined so for the comedy bits, which it sucks because it's yeah. such a great, I loved what they did early on in, in season one. I think yeah. still season two of like, the father-son stuff with Alan and him is just... It's so good. Uh, it's so good. And like as a kid, of course, I'm like, oh, Eric's such a heartthrob. As an adult, I'm like, Daddy <laughs> Alan is here. So we talk about that a lot. <laughs> so you can uh, catch us on most podcast apps and we're Boy on Twitter, meets Instagram. World meets you where you are, <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, at shit90spod if you want to catch us. Cool. Uh, and and at uh, the Jess Sterling on That's Twitter. Correct. The one uh, and only, yes. Uh, and Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo on Twitter and I'm at Round Howard if you want to at Chris Pine in Round Howard's Twitter account. Uh, that is how you will be able to do that. Uh, next week I will return Josh Wiggler's body to Josh Wiggler. Until then, this is Chris Pine signing out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.